WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio proudly presents the Marian Hour with Father Dwight Campbell, spiritual advisor to WSFI and pastor of Our Lady of Mount Carmel and St. Therese in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Good afternoon, everyone. Father Dwight Campbell here for um, another Marian Hour in this middle week uh, of uh, the month of June, the month of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And as is my custom, I'd like to begin the Marian Hour with, with my favorite Marian prayer. If you would join me in praying the Memorare in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection implored thy help or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful, O Mother of the Word incarnate. Despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, in searching for a topic for this week's Marian Hour. I just looked at the calendar of the church uh, just two days from now on this coming Friday is the great feast, the solemnity of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And on the new calendar of the church, uh, the Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary follows on Saturday very appropriately because uh, Mary's Immaculate Heart is united in a bond of deep love with the heart of Jesus. So it's most appropriate that uh, the Feast of Her Heart, Her Immaculate Heart, should be celebrated the day following the Solemnity of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And I'll just say something about the history of, of that Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Well, just about the devotion to the heart of Jesus in general. Okay, we, we find devotion to the heart of Jesus beginning really with the, the verse from chapter 19 of St. John's Gospel on Calvary when Longinus, the Roman centurion, pierces the heart of our Lord with his spear to see if he's dead. John, the evangelist who was at the foot of the cross, with the Blessed Virgin Mary, sees blood and water flow forth. He describes this in chapter 19 of St. John's Gospel. And this is the real genesis of, of and the foundation of devotion to the heart of Jesus. I like to say that the Blessed Virgin Mary was the first devotee to the heart of Jesus, especially the pierced heart. She was there. She witnessed his side, and it's commonly understood his heart as well, um, being pierced. Uh, how do we know his heart was pierced? Well, the blood and the water flowed forth. As Dr. Pierre Barbet, who uh, wrote a great book on the Shroud of Turin, commented from a medical standpoint, uh, John the Evangelist was describing in very accurate medical terms what would happen if 
the heart of a man whose blood was uh, shed profusely, drained from his body, uh, the ventricles of the heart begin to fill up with water. So very appropriate that John should describe uh, Christ's pierced side with his heart being pierced. Blood and water flow forth. And Mary was a witness to this, but in the early tradition of the church, St. Justin, the martyr who lived in the second century, St. Cyprian uh, in the third century, uh, they begin to uh, comment on the heart of Jesus. They, they uh, acknowledge that when his side is pierced, his heart is pierced with the lance. And this begins really the devotion to the heart of our Lord, which grew and progressed, developed over the centuries. And I'll just switch over to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Where did devotion to the heart of Mary begin? Well, uh, there are a couple of verses in St. Luke's Gospel which make direct reference to the heart of Our Lady. These are found uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 19, and then 51 of St. Luke's Gospel. Luke 19 is when Mary gives birth to Christ, and St. Luke tells us, after the shepherds come and adore, that Mary kept all these things, pondering them in her heart. And verse 51 of chapter 2 of Luke is after the finding of Jesus in the temple. They return to uh, Nazareth after they find him in the temple in Jerusalem. And St. Luke again comments, Mary kept these things in her heart. And then we have uh, what we would say is uh, not a direct explicit reference to her heart, but a, uh, an acknowledged implicit reference to the heart of Mary in Luke 2.35, when at the presentation, the old man Simeon takes the baby Jesus in his arms and says, this child will be the rise and the fall of many and will be like a sword which will pierce your soul. But from the early centuries, authors commented that Mary's heart was pierced with a sword of sorrow, which was fulfilled, this prophecy of Simeon at Calvary. And Mary's uh, devotion to Mary's heart, I should say, began to grow and develop uh, with those scripture verses. And they kind of grew side by side, the devotion to the hearts of Jesus and Mary throughout the centuries of the church. Very appropriate because as Pope St. John Paul II says, I like to call him the, the Pope of the hearts of Jesus and Mary because he commented upon how there's this covenant of love between the two hearts of Jesus and Mary. And the heart of Mary, uh, this covenant of love, this bond, this union of, of love between the hearts of Jesus and Mary began at the Annunciation. When Mary gave her fiat and the Incarnation took place. And Pope John Paul II, St. John Paul, says so beautifully, the heart, at that moment, the Incarnation took place, the heart of Jesus began to beat beneath the heart of Mary in her womb. So uh, devotion grows and develops over the centuries. And <clears throat> by, by the Middle Ages, that devotion was strong to both hearts. And if we continue on through the centuries, 
we see revelations that are important in regard to the hearts of Jesus and Mary. The greatest revelation in regard to the heart of Jesus is, I'm going to ask Angela if she knows this. I can, I can never stump Angela. Let, let me see if I can do this today. 1675, Jesus appears to a nun. He shows her his heart. Yeah. You know who that is? Is it Margaret Mary? That's Margaret Mary. I couldn't stump her. No, oh, I never can. Margaret Mary Alico, yes, in, in the convent Pre Les Mignol in, in south uh, eastern France. I visited that monastery. I, I prayed at her tomb. Oh. It was in the very chapel where Jesus appeared to her. There was a beautiful mural painted there. And uh, Jesus uh, revealed his heart to St. Margaret Mary. But he, she wasn't the first that Jesus revealed his heart to. For example, uh, the, the health to mystics, uh, St. Gertrude, St. Um, Mechtild of Magdeburg, um, Jesus revealed his heart to them as well. But those apparitions were more private, you could say. They weren't publicized as well. St. Margaret Mary, the apparitions of Jesus to her, which took place a number of times, uh, these became very widely known throughout the world, especially through the Jesuits who, uh, it was a couple of the Jesuits who were her spiritual directors. One is a saint, Claude Colombier, was a spiritual director for St. Margaret Mary Alico. Another was a priest, a Jesuit priest, uh, Father Jean Croisset, who wrote a beautiful book, Devotion to the Heart of Jesus, it's the best book ever written, I think, on devotion to the heart of Jesus. You can get it from, um, I'm forgetting the publisher right now, um, but if you just do a Google search for it, Devotion to the Heart of Jesus by Father Croset, C-R-O-I-S-E-T. Um, he <coughs> wrote a, a beautiful book on devotion to the heart of Jesus. In fact, he wrote a number of books on them. And, uh, <coughs> And the Jesuits, through their spiritual directors, well, the Jesuits were going all over the world in the, the late 1600s, early 1700s, and they brought this devotion with them. They promoted it. And Jesus told them, basically, to, to you know, spread this devotion. Did you Google that, Angela? Did you, did yes. you see? Yeah, well, you can get a used, I usually get used books, but okay. you can get it for as inexpensively as $6.59 here in Thrift Books. Okay, does it say who the publisher is? Uh, well, Tan Books has one. Tan Books, okay. Yeah, yes. theirs is 1995, but okay. it's new. Okay, well, I mean, but I like to support Tan Books. I so, love them. So, uh, I mean, you, you can always get used books over, over the internet, but I, I wasn't sure if it was Tan. Yeah, Tan republished Tan. this. Yeah. The, originally, it was published by someone else, and Tan redid it, I think, within the last you know 10 or 15 years. And um, it's just a beautiful, beautiful book um, by Father Croset. But I was, as I was saying, th these were two Jesuits, and they, through their order, they, they already had a devotion to the heart of Jesus because this was already a devotion. But with the revelations of Jesus to St. Margaret Mary, this devotion, especially through the Jesuits, uh, spread like wildfire you know, throughout the world in, in, in all different countries. And um, the feast we're celebrating on, on Friday is the, f is the solemnity of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. 
This was a direct request, you could say a command, of Jesus to St. Margaret Mary that he wanted a feast celebrated in the church, dedicated to his heart, to be celebrated uh, on the Friday within the octave of the Feast of Corpus Christi. And so that's what this Friday is. It's within the octave of the Feast of Corpus Christi. And this wasn't the first mass, however, in honor of the heart of Jesus. There's a saint uh, named John Eudes. He is called the father, the doctor, and apostle of the hearts of Jesus and Mary. He wrote the first and what was up to then the, the, the greatest work on the heart of Mary, um, the most admirable heart of Mary. That was the title. And besides writing that volume, which he finished in 1680, he was a contemporary of St. Margaret Mary, although he didn't know about the, the apparitions of Jesus to her. Um, he finished his book in 1680, but before then, he had composed masses in honor of the hearts of Jesus and Mary. And these began to spread throughout France and other countries. Well, in 1675, Jesus makes his, what is called the great apparition to St. Margaret Mary Alico, where he shows his heart to her and says uh, he wants a mass uh, celebrated in the church. And the church moved slowly. It had to investigate the, the apparitions for their authenticity to make sure you know, this just wasn't something in the imagination of someone. The church affirmed these apparitions, and it took about another about another century before the Pope, um, in in I believe it was about 1765, about 90 years later, after the apparitions to Jesus, by Jesus to Saint Margaret Mary, that the Pope uh, permitted this as as you know, a universal feast within the church. And that uh, gave it uh, an additional, uh, you know, papal approval and, and uh, helped to develop devotion to the heart of Jesus even more. Now, with the heart of Mary, we also have had, you know, throughout the church's history, a number of, of uh, private revelations, uh, Actually, the, the Helfta mystics I mentioned before, St. Saint, Saint Gertrude, St. Mechtild of Magdeburg, Mary showed these saints her heart as well. And uh, you can go through the history of the church. There were many private revelations of Mary and her heart to various mystics over the ages. But the greatest, uh, especially modern uh, apparition or a series of apparitions in which Mary was asking devotion to her heart, consecration and reparation to her heart, was at Fatima. She actually told the children that uh, Jesus, God, wants my heart to be placed alongside the heart of Jesus for devotion. And Mary asked for uh, reparation, communions of reparation for Saturdays, for example, uh, make a communion of reparation for sins against her heart. Jesus actually asked St. Margaret Mary for the same. He made a promise 
Jesus did to St. Margaret Mary Alaco. Um, one of the promises concerns the nine first Fridays, if any of you have ever heard of this. Jesus promised St. Margaret Mary that he would assure that anyone um, who received Holy Communion on nine consecutive first Fridays of the month in reparation to, uh, against, for sins against his heart would, be, uh, would receive all the graces uh, for, for a happy and holy death, basically. Okay, That's the nine first Fridays. And, you know, fast forward to from 1675 to 1917. Actually, it was uh, 1929, I think it was, when Mary appeared to, to Sister Lucy. He, uh, she uh, told Sister Lucy about the five first Saturdays, which are a complement to the f nine first Fridays. You know, those who go to communion, uh, attend Mass five consecutive first Fridays, um, receive communion in reparation for sins against the heart of Mary, would be assured um, to die in a state of grace, basically, Mary's assurance. We're going to take a break right now. We'll be back to talk about the hearts of Jesus and Mary in just a few minutes. I'm Bill Wennington from the Church of St. Mary's and the Chicago Bulls. I, I believe Catholic Radio is important for all of us out there listening to help us through days when maybe our faith is being challenged by many different obstacles that are put in our way. And it's a chance to reflect and just think and hear stories from other people that maybe are going through the exact same issues that we are going through and how they have struggled and how they are getting through their problems today. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at WSFIRadio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is blessed with the opportunity to participate with WSFI Catholic Radio in the new evangelization. Holy Family is your local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers, Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. Hi, this is Mark Curran. Are you in need of a trial lawyer? My career in both law and politics has been spent fighting for the injured and most vulnerable. Faithful Catholics, your problem is that many of the trial lawyers that I have been fighting are on the side of the abortion industry, as well as many other intrinsic evils. Martindale Hubble, the agency that rates attorneys, has given me the highest rating for both ethics and ability. I am a former county, state, and federal prosecutor, as well as a three-term sheriff, 
and I am the host of the program Cross-Examination on WSFI. If you want a trial lawyer with the highest credentials and ability that will not support the evil agenda destroying America, but will support WSFI Catholic Radio, then you can learn more at 847-721-3189 or go to markcurrentlaw.com. Once again, that's 847-721-3189 or go to markcurrentlaw.com. Hello, this is Father Dwight Campbell back for the second segment of our Marian Hour on this Wednesday, June 14th. And I'm speaking today on the hearts of Jesus and Mary. Uh, we're, we're going to celebrate in the church uh, these two feasts this coming Friday, the Solemnity of the Sacred Heart, and in the New Order of the Mass, uh, Saturday, the Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And I was talking about, uh, before we, we took our break, uh, the promises made to both um, St. Margaret Mary Alico by Jesus and the Blessed Virgin Mary to Sister Lucia um, with the Fatima apparitions. Uh, Jesus promised us through St. Margaret Mary that those who would attend Mass receive Holy Communion in reparation for sins against his, his Sacred Heart for nine consecutive First Fridays would die with, with all the sacraments. Okay? And Mary made a similar promise to Sister Lucia. This was uh, in, in uh, the wake of the Fatima apparitions in the 1920s, saying that those who would come to Mass, receive communion in reparation for sins against her Immaculate Heart, also who would pray a rosary for those five consecutive first Saturdays, Additionally, meditate on the mysteries of the rosary for another 15 minutes, and then go to confession, and it's understood within like a week before or after, uh, she would guarantee them the graces for salvation as well, that they would die in a state of grace. So we have these two great promises linked with the hearts of Jesus and Mary, whose hearts are in this beautiful bond, this beautiful union, which Pope St. John Paul II spoke of often, the covenant of love between these two hearts, which began at the, at the Annunciation, when the Word became incarnate in Mary's womb, the heart of Jesus began to beat beneath the heart of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Now, uh, those First Fridays and First Saturdays are ways of expressing devotion to the hearts of Jesus and Mary. But uh, a special devotion, which even you know the popes recommend, is consecrating oneself to Mary, her Immaculate Heart, and through her heart to Jesus and his Sacred Heart. And I'm going to talk about consecration now for, for a few minutes in the second segment of the Marian Hour. Uh, what does it mean to consecrate? something, okay? Well, in, in the teaching of the church, uh, to consecrate means to set something aside, to take it out of profane use, worldly use, in order to place it in the realm of the sacred, okay? To dedicate 
something or some person, especially to God or the service of God by means of a formal act. And usually um, we're talking about not just, you know, uh, you're going to pledge to do something for a week or a month, but really one's whole life, okay? And that's, it's understood that this pledge uh, is a pledge of stability or constancy. One doesn't consecrate oneself for a week or a month, but uh, for life. And the motive for this is love. We, we do so out of love. And we, we consecrate as, as an entire gift of self, uh, ourselves to, to Jesus, to Mary, to their hearts. And I'll quote here the, the words of, of a cardinal, uh, Cardinal Jaime Sin. He speaks of how uh, the heart of Jesus is the end, okay, the goal. The heart of Mary is the means to that end. The heart of Jesus is the point of arrival. The heart of Mary is the way. The heart of Jesus is the tabernacle in which we desire to dwell. The heart of Mary is the door that gives us entry. So properly speaking, when we consecrate ourselves to the heart of Mary, or to Mary, you could say, um, her person, her heart is, is it represents the interior life of her, her very person. We consecrate ourselves through her to Jesus. He's the goal. He's the end. And every consecration that we do, whether to Jesus, to Mary, or you know, our guardian angel, a saint, uh, is really a further way to live out our baptismal con consecration because that is the fundamental consecration that we undergo as, as Catholic Christians. When we're baptized, we're, we're taken, freed from slavery to, to sin and the devil, as the baptismal rite says, and now become slaves of Jesus Christ. That slavery I'm going to talk about in just a few minutes. Keep that in mind. But baptism is the fundamental consecration. Any other consecration that we make is a way to further live out more completely, uh, more fervently, our baptismal consecration and the promises that we, we make at our baptism to reject sin and Satan. Now, um, one saint who, who makes this point and drives it home very well is St. Louis de Montfort. Uh, his, his classic work, The True Devotion to Mary. Here I'm going to mention something. I'm, I'm going to put in a plug. I'm sorry I didn't do this uh, uh, last week. I wasn't here, but I could have asked to have it announced. I'm doing, uh, I'm, I'm in the midst of a two-part two course on, um, on devotion and consecration to Mary and her Immaculate Heart uh, using St. Louis de Montfort's True Devotion to Mary. I did it last night at St. Therese Church in Kenosha, 2020 91st Street. That was my first class. Um, if you want to join the class, I'm doing a second class next Tuesday evening at St. Therese Church. This is at 7 p.m. And uh, anyone can buy the True Devotion to Mary book at the Holy Family Catholic Bookstore. It's on Old Green Bay Road, about 90-something south on Green Bay Road, the western 
edge of Kenosha, um, just a little bit east of the I-94, okay? And it's just east of, of Green Bay Road. It's, it's old Green Bay Road. Uh, the books are available, De Montfort's Two Devotions. So if you read the book, you can, you can read through it by, by next week, buy the book. Uh, next Tuesday, I'll be having a, the second part of a class as a way to prepare people by reading through St. Louis de Montfort's True Devotion to Mary to make a, a total consecration of one's life to, to Mary and, and her immaculate heart, and through her and her heart to, to Jesus and his heart. And St. Louis de Montfort makes this point that when we consecrate ourselves to the Virgin Mary, it's a perfect renewal, he says, of the vows and promises of our holy baptism, which in which we renounce Satan and all his works. You find that in Numbers 126 and also 127 to 130 of St. Louis de Montfort's book, True Devotion to Mary. The book is laid out very nicely because it's the, it has numbered uh, paragraphs or even a couple paragraphs that are they're put under numbers so you can make easy reference to um, to find you know sections within that book. Now, um, why do we consecrate ourselves to the hearts of Jesus and Mary? Well, because, as I mentioned a minute ago, the heart is the the uh, classic symbol of of the interior life of the person, one's thinking, willing, uh, emotions, and uh, and love. Okay, we we have that that. Uh, great symbol of the heart as as uh, an image, a reflection of of love of our interior lives, and um, the heart has been a a symbol of one's interior life throughout all cultures and even pagan ones. Okay, it's it's a wonderful, beautiful phenomenon, and. There is what I like to call a Judeo-Christian anthropology of the heart. We find this in, in the Bible. Uh, the heart is mentioned, I think, um, over 700 times in the Old Testament alone. Even God has a heart in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, I think there are about 153 references, if my memory serves me. So we consecrate... Uh, ourselves to to the hearts of Jesus and Mary because we're we're consecrating ourselves to to uh, better identify conform our minds and hearts with their interior lives especially their lives of virtue and we we know that there is this this deep union this bond between Jesus and Mary and between their hearts this is uh, teaching of the church. It's part of papal teaching, and uh, especially John Paul II, he gave a, a whole series over three years in the summer uh, during the, uh, the month of June, uh, especially the, the heart of uh, the month dedicated to the heart of Jesus, in which we, we celebrate the, the, the solemnity of the sacred heart of Jesus. Pope John Paul II gave talks at his at his Angelus addresses, and spoke of of the union, the bond in many of these talks between the hearts of Jesus and Mary. So, again, when we when we talk about consecrating ourselves to the heart of Mary, where we realize that 
it is it is a consecration through her heart to the heart of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Okay. And Mary's heart, her immaculate heart, um, because she is the most perfect disciple of Christ, the most perfect model of imitating her son is a way to conform ourselves through heart to his through her heart to his heart. And conforming ourselves to her heart means to her interior life, imitating her her great virtues. Okay. What are some of the virtues of Mary? Well, we could think of, of one virtue that she had that Jesus didn't have. And it's the virtue of faith. Okay. Mary had great faith. Her, her faith is praised and lauded by her cousin Elizabeth okay, this, this, at, the, at the visitation. Um, why didn't Jesus have faith? He did not have the virtue of faith because he was God. Okay. He had faith. Faith is fulfilled in the vision of God. Jesus, even in his human mind, according to papal teaching, had the beatific vision from the moment that he was conceived in Mary's womb. This is the teaching of St. Thomas Aquinas. It's the teaching of Pope Pius XII, Venerable Pius XII, in his encyclical Mystici Corporis. So we don't speak of Jesus having faith. No, no. Jesus was God, and he knew he was God all the time. Okay. Mary had faith, her great faith. I'll just ask uh, Angela here, what, what's another virtue you can think of with Mary? I mean, hope. Hope, yes, okay. Of course, love, she charity, had the theological love. virtue of hope, which which gave her uh, courage to overcome any obstacles in pursuing, um, you know, the, the goal of heaven. And you know, with, with hope, she she hoped against hope. You could say at the foot of the cross. Okay. Humility. Humility. I mean, and where do we see that virtue praised? It's it's actually uh, at the visitation when. Her cousin Elizabeth says, you know, blessed art thou amongst women, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Then Mary, her Magnificat, my soul doth magnify the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because he hath regarded the humility of his handmaid. Okay. And it was Mary's great humility that uh, moved her not to revel in her own glory because she was filled with grace to a greater extent than, than any other human being, to an extent only God can comprehend it, okay, from her immaculate conception on. Um, but Mary, by saying that my soul doth magnify the Lord, she's lowering herself. She's really saying, everything I am, everything I do, is meant to give glory to God rather than myself. So Mary is the woman of humility, um, the, the, the perfect model of humility after Jesus Christ, who himself said, learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart. So Jesus linked those two great virtues, his meekness or gentleness and his humility to his heart. Well, Mary is the most perfect imitator, disciple of Jesus Christ. And St. Louis de Montfort makes the point in his book, True Devotion to Mary, if we want to imitate Jesus, we imitate Mary. 
Now, the St. Louis de Montfort is the greatest promoter, I think, of the idea of consecration to Mary or to Jesus through Mary. He acknowledges, you know, that, that you know, we, we consecrate to Mary uh, in, order, in order to consecrate ourselves more fully to Jesus. And my position is, having read through de Montfort's book many times over the past 40 years, um, his total consecration to Mary is in essence a consecration to the heart of Mary or the heart of Jesus through Mary. Once we understand that for St. Louis, Mary's heart is the symbol of her interior life because he focuses on her interior life and, and speaks of her heart in many places. So I think it's fair to say that his consecration, because he, focus, he, he wants us to, to focus on imitating Mary's virtues, well, that's, all of these are, are a reflection of what's going on within her and her heart. So, I, I, are we getting ready for another commercial break? I think we are. Yeah. I see the, it's it's winding down here. So I'll just say that in, in another minute, uh, we'll take a little break here, and we'll return to talk more about uh, consecrating ourselves to the hearts of Jesus and Mary. Want an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MATT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. Hi, this is Mark Curran. Are you in need of a trial lawyer? My career in both law and politics has been spent fighting for the injured and most vulnerable. Martindale Hubble has given me the highest rating in ethics and ability. If you want a trial lawyer with the highest rating in ethics and ability that will not support the evil agenda destroying America, but will support WSFI Catholic Radio, well, you can learn more at 847-721-3189 or go to markcurranlaw.com. Hi, my name is Irene Sherapata. My husband, Alex, and I are volunteers for WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is our family's source of truthful and trustworthy information regarding the Catholic faith, the church, our religion, and state of the world in these trying times. My husband, Alex, and I are greatly rewarded for our volunteer work at WSFI by working with such lovable and like-minded people and by meeting and hearing firsthand some of our, the most respected, wise, and interesting guest speakers. Its programmings on healing the whole person has helped so many and is truly inspired by God. This radio station is really a school of Catholic thought and source of wisdom. 
We have learned so much, and our faith and love for God has increased so much that we hope to share it with everyone we meet. We hope and pray that WSFI 88.5 FM would soon reach the entire Chicagoland population. You too can help WSFI bring millions of souls to God. See how you can support their effort by calling WSFI Catholic Radio at 224-206-8455 or online at wsficatholicradio.org for your donation. Thank you very much, and uh, God bless you. Hello, this is Father Dwight Campbell, back for the third segment of the Marian Hour on this June 14th, the month of the Sacred Heart, and uh, in light of the Feast of the Sacred Heart, approaching this coming Friday, and the Immaculate Heart of Mary, Saturday, in the New Order of the Mass, that is. I'm, I'm speaking about the hearts of Jesus and Mary today, and, and um, I left off talking about and I'm going to continue in this last segment to talk about consecration to the hearts of Jesus and Mary. And um, when, we, when we do that, we especially focus to live out the consecration on imitating the, the hearts of Jesus and Mary, which are symbols of their interior life. Angela and I were talking on the break. You know, we talked about Mary's heart being a symbol of faith and the heart of Jesus and Mary being, you know, a symbol of, of humility. And, but also, uh, the greatest of the virtues is charity. And uh, the heart of Jesus, and this is actually found in, there's a great encyclical written by Pope Pius XII, Hariatus Aquas. In the Latin, that means uh, you will draw water, okay? Meaning drawing water uh, from uh, the, the waters of life from the pierced heart of Jesus. That's the idea of the encyclical. And Pius XII says this was an encyclical. If you just, if you just Googled encyclical Pope Pius XII, Sacred Heart of Jesus, you'd get it. You can read it. It's a marvelous read. Everyone should read this encyclical. And in that encyclical, Pius XII talks about how uh, the heart of Jesus is the great symbol of Christ's twofold love, his divine love, because he is God, he's the second person of the Trinity, and his human love, because he's truly man. And it is his love for God his Father and for all of us. Okay. Now with Mary, Mary's heart is a symbol of her virtues, her faith, her hope, her, her love, her charity, okay? And her charity, her love for whom? For, first of all, for God, for the Trinity, okay? We say that her heart was, was you know, uh, a, a living tabernacle of the Holy Trinity. The saints talk about this, much more so than ours, because Mary's heart was all pure. God dwelled there more fully than in any other human person. And <clears throat> she, her heart is also a symbol of her love for Jesus Christ. And finally, it is a symbol of her love for all of us. Now, 
I mentioned in, in the last segment that probably the greatest promoter of consecration to Mary, and I argue uh, also her heart, is St. Louis de Montfort's great book, True Devotion to Mary. If you missed my little plug, uh, I'm teaching a two-part course. I've taught one part of it already this past Tuesday. This next Tuesday, I'll be teaching the second part. St. Therese Church, 2020 91st Street, Kenosha. And we're going through the book of St. Louis de Montfort, True Devotion to the Blessed Virgin, copies of which you may obtain at Holy Family Catholic Bookstore. It's on Old Green Bay Road on the west side of Kenosha, right next to Green Bay Road. Okay. They have copies of True Devotion there. You can read it, attend my class, and uh, this is for a preparation for a total consecration to Mary in her heart and through her to Jesus in his heart. Now, St. Louis de Montfort is probably the greatest promoter of the idea of, of total consecration to Mary and her heart. Okay. And for St. Louis de Montfort, an integral part of consecration to Mary, besides studying her virtues and trying to imitate them, is the practice of voluntary slavery or servitor, servitude, I should say, to Our Lady. Okay. Now that may sound kind of strange to you know, us modern people, okay, to be slaves of anyone, but we are in reality all slaves of God by nature. Okay? And <clears throat> uh, this is because we are, we are creatures. God created us. And we can turn to St. Paul here for further elucidation. Okay? St. Paul speaks of how Jesus became a slave. He took the form of a slave. That's Philippians 2.7. When he, you could say, uh, hid his glory as the second person of the Blessed Trinity and became man. And because his glory was hidden, his God has, Godhead was hidden, um, he allowed himself to be crucified okay, eventually. And taking the form of a slave is what Jesus did, a slave for us, in order to suffer and die for us. Now, St. Paul, twice in his epistles, Romans 1.1, 1, 1, Galatians 1.10, um, teaches that we must be slaves to Jesus Christ. He speaks of himself, I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. Okay. The, the Greek word is doulos. You could translate it servant, slave, means the same thing. And St. Louis de Montfort says that we must undertake a voluntary willed slavery to Mary and then through her to Jesus in order to live out our consecration. And an idea that goes along with this is that uh, we're, we're slaves to Mary because she is our queen. She is the queen. Jesus is the king. She is queen of all hearts, as St. Louis de Montfort calls her in number 38 of his true devotion. And he says, because of this, because she is our queen, 
we owe her servitude, we should become, he says, loving slaves of our Blessed Lady in order to become more perfect slaves of Jesus Christ. And slavery and consecration to, to Mary, her Immaculate Heart, is a way of furthering, living out our slavery and consecration to Jesus and his Sacred Heart. In the opening lines of, of his Prayer to Mary, it's found in St. Louis de Montfort's another book he wrote, The Secret of Mary. Okay. We read these words, Hail Mary, my joy, my glory, my heart, my soul, as a slave who always belongs to his master. I give myself wholly to you, reserving nothing for myself or for others. Well, um, I'm going to say something about slavery because, you know, people don't hear about this too much. If you read, anyone who's read St. Louis de Montfort's True Devotion to Mary is familiar with, with slavery. But slavery and slavery to Mary, actually, uh, actually has a long history in the church. I'm going to give some examples here. Um, St. Germanus of Constantinople, he is called the, the father and doctor of, of um, uh, devotion to, to Mary. Okay, uh, He styled himself as the servant or slave of the Blessed Virgin Mary. He died in the year 733. There's evidence for use of the title um, Servus Mariae, Servant of Mary, in African sermons and in official seals from the 5th and 6th centuries. I've seen these seals, okay, like a seal uh, for that the, the Roman officials would use, okay, or uh, because, you know, Rome was Christian by this point, okay. Uh, Pope John VII, who died in 707, he uh, looked at himself, called himself a slave of the mother of God. Now, another great saint from the 7th century who um, was probably the, the, the greatest promoter at that time of consecration to Mary, and he included um, slavery in his idea as well, is St. Ildefonsus of Toledo. He died in the year 667. And I'll quote here from a homily by Pope St. John Paul II. When he was in Spain, in Zaragoza, um, he was at the, the Cathedral of uh, Nuestra Señora del Pilar, uh, Our Lady of the Pillar. You know, Our Lady's first appearance uh, to, uh, to a person uh, was to St. James the Greater when he was making his way through Spain. He was ready to throw in the towel, and, and Our Lady appeared to him when he was by the Elba River in what is modern-day Zaragoza. It was under Roman rule at the time. And she appeared on a pillar. And she told him, don't give up. Continue your evangelizing. I will be with you, and I want you to build a chapel here on this spot. And it's that was the chapel he built, 
It turned into a great basilica. You can go see it now. I visited that basilica about five years ago and offered mass there. Uh, the pillar is there. There's a statue of Our Lady on top that was made. They dress her every day. And um, Our Lady of the Pillar is the, the um, uh, national patroness of Spain. So John Paul II, November 6, 1982, he was in Zaragoza at the Basilica. And uh, immediately prior to his, he was doing an act of entrustment of Spain to Our Lady. Okay, John Paul II would entrust countries and all the peoples therein to Our Lady and her heart oftentimes as well. Okay? And he included in his his talk, uh, well, prior to his act of entrustment, he's, he's, he's talking, giving a talk. He speaks about, about St. Ildefonsus of Toledo, this great promoter of consecration and slavery to Mary. And this is what he says. I'm quoting John Paul II. St. Ildefonsus of Toledo, the most ancient witness of that form of devotion, which we call slavery to Mary, justifies our approach of being slaves of Mary because of the singular relation she has with respect to Christ. I am your servant or slave because your son is my Lord. You are therefore my lady. This is an act of consecration, okay, to Mary. You are therefore my lady because you are the handmaid of my Lord. I therefore, the servant, I am the servant of the handmaid of my Lord because you, my lady, have become the mother of my Lord. Therefore, I have become a slave because you have become mother of my maker. These are words of St. Ildefonsus, which John Paul II was quoting, you see. So, um, um, I'll, I'll quote another uh, prayer of consecration, a beautiful one. I mentioned St. Margaret Mary Alico, to whom Jesus spoke, okay, revealed his heart to her. By the way, uh, the great apparition of, of June of 1675, Jesus appears to St. Margaret Mary while she is in adoration of Jesus in the Eucharist, in the monstrance, on the altar at the convent in Pré-le-Mignol in, in France. And while she's worshiping Jesus in the Eucharist, Jesus appears to her in person. He parts his garment in his breast, and Margaret Mary sees his heart as it's often portrayed. Okay? This is where we get the portrayal. Surrounded with thorns, a cross on the top, with flames coming out to symbolize his burning love. And <clears throat> Jesus said to St. Margaret Mary, Behold this heart which has endured such indifference and so many sacrileges. Um, and uh, this is especially true in the sacrament of my love. Now what did Jesus mean by that, referring to his heart in the sacrament of his love? He was speaking of how his heart is in the Eucharist. That is the sacrament of his love. And that's what Margaret Mary was doing when Jesus appeared to her. She was adoring Jesus in the Eucharist and 
Jesus was telling her, you're adoring my heart in the Eucharist. Here's another little uh, fact, which is uh, a beautiful one. You know, the Eucharistic uh, miracles that have taken place over the centuries, especially you know, a couple of the more famous ones, uh, Lanciano, Italy, back in the 8th century, uh, the one in Brazil in 1996. When they sent these hosts turned to flesh off to be examined, they didn't tell the scientists what they were, they just said examine them. They determined these hosts turned to flesh to be the part of the heart, the myocardium, the thick wall of the, of the inner heart, okay, of a living human being telling us that the Eucharist is, I think this is God's way of telling us that the Eucharist is truly the sacrament of love when we gaze upon the Eucharist in the monstrance, we're gazing upon the heart of Christ. Okay. Now I'm going to read here, and I have just a couple of minutes. I'm going to end here with a, a prayer composed by St. Margaret Mary Alico of consecration to the sacred heart of Jesus through the heart of Mary. It's not all of it, it's part of it, but I'm going to end here with this prayer to end my hour. A prayer of slavery to the hearts of Jesus and Mary uh, by St. Margaret Mary Alico. A most holy, most admirable, glorious Virgin Mother of God, to whom we are all vowed and consecrated as your children, servants, and slaves. We renew our vows of fidelity and servitude to thee, Mary. Pray to thee. We belong entirely to thee that thou wouldest offer, dedicate, consecrate, immolate to the sacred heart of our adorable Jesus, ourselves, all that we are, all that we do and suffer without reserving anything for ourselves. O sacred hearts of Jesus and Mary, repair all our failings, consume all our coldness and cowardice in loving and serving you. Help us in living and dying in the state of slaves of the adorable heart of Jesus and servants of his Holy Mother. Amen. Amen.